The five stages of sonship is real. All right. You have to be a child in order to obtain the things that you want from the father. I'll give y'all time to get ready. I seem like y'all reaching. So we've been in this series on sonship. And these are the five stages. Nepios is an infant. Pation is a little child. Technon is a teenager. Nanisco is a young adult. And Weos is a fully mature child of God. All right. Nepios is in between the ages of zero and five. Now, the numbers there, they represent our culture and how we grow. All right. Between zero and five is an infant. Why? Because you know nothing. You can't help anybody. You can't do anything. You need someone to help you, feed you, cook for you, do all those things for you. Then you move over into the pation. Pation is between the ages of six years old and 12 years old. During, during those moments, you know more than a, someone who is between the ages of zero and five. But yet and still, you're not old enough to run your life. The thing about the pation is that the pation knows the father. When you move, how do you move out the Nepios area? Uh, uh, the Nepio stage is by learning that God is your father, by that being instilled in you. When you move to the pation stage, you would have known without a shadow of a doubt that God is my father. When you make moves, when you do something wrong, and that's the most time when you need to know is when you make a mistake. When you make a mistake, you need to know that he's your father or you will stay stuck in that mistake. And so with the Pation child, the Pation knows their father. The Pation knows that their father has a kingdom. The Pation wants to humble themselves. Why? Because the Pation wants to grow. All right. Then last the last two weeks, we did the Technon. Technon is a teenager. It is between the ages of 13 and 19. How many of y'all know those teenage years are the if you a parent, boy. Them the stages you want to give up. You want to quit. Like, you know what? <laughs> because that is the time where the child is trying to emancipate themselves. They're trying to learn this is who I am. I want my destiny. I want my voice to be heard. And if you don't know how to parent, you will always try to shut them up. And so today we're going to talk about Nanisco. Nanisco. Nanisco is from the ages 20 to 39, or you can say under 40. Under 40. Now, the thing about Nanisco is that they have graduated high school. They are ready for college. They are ready for the adult life. They are ready to live their life outside the parents' home. So this is a stage where you have to take some responsibility for yourself. Every stage that you grow, you are going to be handed a different duty. Okay, when you're, when you're raising kids, you don't take a kid that is between the ages of newborn and five years old and give them six-step um, assignments. You don't take a five-year-old and say, look, I want you to go back there, get the mic, put batteries in it, then bring me the mic, then I want you to go into down the hall. No, you can't do that. Why? Because they're too young to do that. 
So when you're young like that, you're not going to get these enormous assignments. That's why a lot of you, a lot of us have been uh, who you are as far as office or as far as your calling has been revealed to you. But there has not been an ordination for a reason because you're learning it now. Now it's time for you to grow into the position. You don't come to a, a, a five-year-old and tell them, you know what, you're a mathematician. See, in the natural, it is impossible for that child to move, to, to learn that at a five-year-old, I'm a mathematician and try to be that. In the a, in a, in a spirit, because we try to do that. So if we tell someone right now, look, you are an apostle. All right, let's say we told, who is uh, Zantre? We told Zantre, you, you have a call of an apostle on your life. It would be immature of him to try to walk in that calling right now. For him to, to leave the Divine Generation Church and go try to start his own mission. That's why sometimes the Father would tell you who you are, but that doesn't mean he's released you to do it. Even if a teenager has a trust fund, they still have to wait to a certain age to tap into that. And the whole five stages of sonship is about the father wanting to get you your life. He wants to get you your life. He has a predestined life that is for you and he wants to get it to you worse than you want to get it to yourself. Worse than you want it. Now, the Greek definition for the Nanisco son is it is a youth under 40. It is a young man, a youth. It is a young man in the prime or vigor of manhood up to the age of 40 years or more. Now, the difference between the Nanisco and the Weos is that the Nanisco has not seen an entire generation like the Weos has. Once you have seen an entire generation, your whole mind shifts. Okay? Now, I want to put a disclaimer out because this is what sonship and the five stages are not. Because as people hear this, or even you guys sitting out there, and now we're picking up in our online audience, people hear the five stages of sonship and they immediately acquaint it with how long they've been in church. Y'all hear me? They immediately acquaint it with how long they've been in church. So they'll say, they'll hear me teach the five stages of sonship and they immediately sit back and they'll say, well, I've been in church for 20 years, so I must be a weas. <laughs> I heard a guy, a comedian say the other day, he said, I've been married for 35 years to four wonderful women. So what did he do? He counted every marriage and every divorce as an entire marriage. That's what we do in church. We think because we've been coming to church for a certain amount of time that we're mature. No. This has nothing to do with ministry growth. This has nothing to do with how long you've been in ministry. This has nothing to do with how long you spent sitting in the pew. This has nothing to do with the pastor that you served under. 
It has nothing to do with your Bible knowledge, your Bible, going to Bible school, because like I tell you over and over again, that you can have a 12 degrees in theology and still not know the Father. As a matter of fact, Bible school is just that. It's learning the Bible. Now, these are my numbers. 95, nope, 99% of the people who come out of Bible school don't know the Father. They have biblical knowledge. They understand Greek. They understand Hebrew. They understand the history of the Bible. But you can know all of that and don't know the Father. That's why I think they shouldn't even call it theology. Because theology is a study of God. So it is not about that. It is not about your title. It is not about the office that you hold. It is not about years of knowing the Lord. This is a representation as a child. If you want to know your maturity level, how long and how consistent have you been representing the father as his child? This is about representation. How long have you known that God was your father and you participated in that relationship? You humbled yourself. You allowed him to raise you. If, he, if you have not humbled yourself and allowed him to raise you, you have not been growing in sonship. You have been growing in religion. This is about growth in the relationship, okay? This is about knowing the relationship. This is about knowing in the relationship, not knowing in a sense of I know someone. Like I can say I know Terry, but I don't know Terry. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I know Terry exists, but me and Terry have not spent a lot of time together to where I can say I really know Terry. Now that's different for Kirby. I can say I know Kirby because he's at my house every day. <laughs> In a welcome sense, all right? <laughs> I know Kirby, okay? But you don't, so when, you, when it comes to knowing the Father, you have to know him intimately. You have to know his heart. I asked you a question a couple weeks ago. If you know God, but you don't know him as a father, do you know God? And the answer is no. That's why I told you last week, that God isn't even a person. God is a family. God is a race of people. Okay. So this is about knowing the father in a relationship. This is about communicating in the relationship. How long have you been communicating with him as a child? When Jesus told us to pray, he said, go into the secret place and pray. And he said this, your father would be there waiting on you, which was he letting you know he ain't going to be there. The Lord ain't going to be there. We pray to Jesus. Jesus didn't tell us to pray to him. Jesus gave specific instructions to pray to the Father. He said, when you go in secret, your Father will be there. What is he saying? When you approach prayer, you have to approach it as a child. And when you get in there, your Father will be waiting on you, understanding the relationship. He already knows the relationship. He's inviting you into the relationship. 
So when you go, even when you go into prayer, you have to pray like a child. That's why I told you, even when you worship, Jesus said, don't worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said, the Father is seeking such to worship. The Father is seeking worshipers. Jesus not seeking worshipers. That's going to be hard for the church to deal with. Because we, we get together and we just sing songs to Jesus. Jesus like, I didn't tell them to do that. I sent them two angels. <laughs> Have a little movement. They, they, no, it doesn't matter how thick the service was. It doesn't matter how good the service is. Watch this. I was a part of the apostolic denomination. And I have never in my entire life seen anyone get the presence of God in a building like them folks. Never. When I tell you, you go to an apostolic Pentecostal service, you can't move. She good. You can't, you be stuck just praying in tongues. Just you, the, the atmosphere is so, and you know what? That has nothing to do with nothing because they know zero about God, about the Father. We think atmospheres. The Bible says this, that he inhabits the praise of his people. So in the Old Testament, when people praise, the spirit came. That doesn't stop. It's not about the presence, getting the presence in the building. It's about the presence on you throughout the day. If you know the presence is in you, then you don't have to fight to get the presence out of you. We try to get the presence in a building. How many of you been in churches where you got to stand up every 10 minutes? Stand up and lift up your hands. Sit down. Stand up. It'd be like, God, dog. Was this some Richard Simmons stuff? <laughs> you can do it. No. <laughs> so it is about communicating in the relationship with the Father, all right? It is about fellowship with him, coming into his spiritual family, coming into community and actually growing as a child. It is about being corrected in the relationship. The Bible says that if he can't correct you, then you are an illegitimate child. Illegitimate children can't touch the inheritance. So he's letting you know if I can't raise you, I can't give you the inheritance. Now, before I get into my first scripture, remember this. Jesus came to give us his life. Jesus came to give us his relationship with the Father. He wanted to make sure that when he left this planet, we knew why he came. And you know what? We still messed it up, didn't we? We still messed it up. He said a thousand times to Shombi, I come to do the will of my father. I have no will. My will is to seek and save that which was lost. Pray to the father, worship the father. And what do we do? How do we miss all of that? I missed it too. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just, how do we miss all of that? 
He's trying to give us his prayer life. So watch this. If Jesus is trying to give you his prayer life, then how do you pray to him? If you're going to have to pray, if you're going to have his prayer life, then you have to pray to the Father just like he prayed to the Father. That's why the Bible tells you that you are a joint heir. As he is, so are you in this world. The Bible even said that he had to be made in all ways like his brethren to be acceptable high priest. So he's telling you that you're equal with him. And you're saying, and the church is saying, no, we just need to serve him. He's saying, you're on my level, and the church is saying, no, we're not. He's the highest level. The Bible tells us to conform to his image, but we don't teach conformity. The Bible tells us to imitate God, but we don't teach people that they're God's. I got somebody the other day. I had to tell them to open the Bible, okay, and read this. Jesus said, I and my father are one. The Pharisees picked up stones and said, we about, to, we about to put you to sleep. He said, for what? For the works I do? If I don't do the works of my father, go ahead, stone me. They said, it ain't got nothing to do with the works. We see the works. That's why we hating on you. We see the works, but the problem that we have is that you said that God is your father making you equal with him. That's the issue we have. We got no issue about you healing somebody. But you gonna say God's your father? That means you're saying that you are equal with him. And watch this. What's so funny is that the, the world been telling us the whole time, we gods, we've been rejecting it. <laughs> the Bible says all things were created through Christ, for Christ, and without Christ, nothing exists. Christ is the universe. All right. <laughs> the universe was created through Christ. Christ is in you. So the, you are the universe. Hard to accept, ain't it? So, so they want to stone Jesus for saying that God is his father. Jesus told him like this. Hold on. Look in the scripture. The scripture told you that you were a God. And the scriptures cannot be broken. He's saying, my father told you that you were a God, even in your current state, you're a God. He's saying, you don't even believe the very scriptures that you're trying to stone me for. And so the scriptures are constantly telling us, you are God. There's no way you can be a child of God and not be a God. There's no way. This whole five stages of sonship is us trying to get you to look and act like your father. At the Nanisco stage, we should be saying the apple don't fall far from the tree. You know, come on. You know about this, you know how it is. About 15, 16, about 20 years old, you know who their daddy is. They look like them, they act all that. It's not hard to tell. <laughs> 
You act like Tony, don't you? <laughs> this guy. That's a favor Kirby saying about me. And some I'm getting on this nerve, he says, this guy. <laughs> they said they're going to get some shirts made. I'm talking about this guy. Him and my wife are always clowning me. I need some reinforcements. And Ken are too young in, a, in their relationship to be on my side, so. <laughs> See? So our first scripture, 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Now, I always tell y'all, when you read the Bible, the Bible is, is written the five stages of sonship are in the Bible because when you read the Bible, you only see at a certain level. So when the writer says, I am writing to fathers for a certain reason, he's letting them know that I'm, I'm, I'm writing to you because of where you are spiritually. Then it says, I write to you, young men, Nanisco, because you have overcome the wicked one. Then he says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. Let me back it up. He says, I have written to you, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. At the Nanisco stage, it should be the stage where you stop falling into the snares of the enemy. You stop falling into the traps of your flesh. You are now an overcomer. He says, you have overcome the wicked one. I'm going to give you some definitions in a second. Verse 14, it says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I told you the things about spiritual fathers is that they have to know the eternal covenant. They have to know the father's plan before he said, let there be light. That's what predestined mean. So if the father predestined you, if he gave you a purpose, then he did that before he created everything. Before he said, let there be light, he already had who you were, what you were going to do in mind. The Bible says he knows the end of a thing before the beginning. So he wrote your story, finished it, and then started you at the beginning of it and said, trust me to get through it. And the more you obey him, you walk that path. And the best example I can give you is Jonah. He told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah decided to go the totally different way. I did that, by the way. I'll tell y'all my story one day. <laughs> he told him to go to Nineveh. Jonah goes a totally different way. Why did he bring the whale back? Why did he bring the whale into the story? So that Jonah can get back on the path that he was supposed to be going on. That's it. And because at the other end of Jonah's story was 250 people, 250,000 people waiting. The entire city of Nineveh was waiting on Jonah, but Jonah didn't feel like they deserved it. So Jonah went the opposite way. And the father had to put him in through a situation that redirected him to the path that he wanted him to go. That's why you're having problems in your life. 
You're going to always have issues in your life when you go the opposite of what the father tell you to go. The Bible says that the ways of a transgressor are hard. Hard. That's why I said you can grow. It's up to you. You can, you're growing, but you're just moving slow. It's trickling in. Or you can go all the way in. This brother having dreams that he walking underwater. At the bottom of the ocean, just looking up. God letting him know, you're becoming supernatural by what you're doing. <laughs> you're shedding flesh. We had a new saying I told Tremaine the other day. I sent it to him. We build gods. We don't repair humans. We build gods. We don't repair humans. If you think we're here to fix your relationship, you can leave now. We're not here to fix so you can get money in your pocket. You can leave now. We're not here to fix your situation. We're here to give you the life the Father wants you to have. We got no time to be rehabilitating humans. I got time for that. Well, they left me good. Now you can find a person that's for you. <laughs> that's good. And a lot of times you be going through stuff and you be, uh, they, they, they left. Yeah, they, you, you're going to be happy in a couple years. <laughs> you're going to be all right in a couple years. I went through a divorce. She left me and I was, I was shocked because no woman had ever left me. I was, I, was, I was blown away. Like, how? How did that happen? <laughs> me? <laughs> how could you leave? She wasn't mine. And had she not left, Dr. Hart, hey, hey. <laughs> this is a different type of church. So, it said, verse 14, I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men. Nanisco. Now, why is he writing to the Nanisco? Because you are strong. He didn't write that about the Nepios. He didn't write that about the Pation. He didn't say that about the Technon. But it's somehow you've passed through all those stages and you landed yourself in a position that you are what? Strong. Watch this. And the word of God abides in you. He didn't say that about the Technon. He didn't say that about the Pation. The word does not abide in the Nepios. Then he says, and you have overcome the wicked one. So the Nanisco stage, you are strong. The word is in you and you overcome the wicked one. Can you see how we're growing? Because at the Nepio stage, you weren't strong. You weren't overcoming the wicked one. Matter of fact, you always succumb to your flesh. 
as a nepios, it's extremely hard to fast. At the nepios, it's hard to get in the word. When it first start off, it's very hard because you don't understand nothing. You think you're reading hieroglyphics. So that's what we're going to tackle today. We're going to tackle those three areas. What does it mean to be strong? What does it mean for the word to abide in you? And what does it mean to be an overcomer? Okay. Now, strong means this. Strong means that one has strength of soul to sustain the assaults of Satan. I'm going to say that again. When the Bible tells us that we are strong, it means that we have strength in our soul to sustain the assaults of Satan. Meaning Satan can say something to you, but your soul has been built up. Why? Because you have been practicing righteousness. You have been putting the word in you. And because of that, you know your father's voice. You know the difference between your father's voice and a stranger. You know the difference between your father's voice and your flesh. You know the difference between the father's voice and your voice. You are now strong. Your soul can sustain attacks on Satan. He can't get you into depression. He can't get you into anger. He can't get you into rage. He can't get you into not giving. He can't make you lie. You know his voice because you understand the nature of your father. If you don't know your father, you don't know his nature, then when, when he's speaking, you don't know if that's him or not. Especially with this thing with uh, how church has been raising us in religion. The way the church has been raising us in religion, you don't know if it's God or the devil. Because they taught us that both of them want to cru crucify us. They taught us that both of them want to punish us. So, Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, you don't tell a nepios that. You don't expect a nepios to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why? Because he has just started the walk. You don't expect the pation. You don't expect a little child to be strong in the Lord. You don't expect someone who has just started the faith to be strong in the faith. So this scripture right here, passage of scripture, is written to Nonisco's. When he was talking to Ephesians, he was talking to a mature church. When he was talking to the Corinthians, he was talking to an immature church. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God 
so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the Nepios can't put on the full armor. The Pation can't put on the full armor. The Technon can't put on the full armor. That's why they are not considered strong. Partial of why they can't put on it because they don't even know what the armor is. That's why I'm a big believer in teaching. When the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation, what is the helmet of salvation? Better yet, what is salvation? If off the top of your head right now, you don't know the definition of salvation and what it is, how can you put it on? That's why we say practice righteousness. If you have been practicing righteousness for years, you know what salvation means. Saved is different from salvation. Saved means you have been rescued from the penalties of sin and death. Saved means you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your father. Saved means that you are now in his family. So you don't have to worry about the consequences of the other family. Salvation means that because you are in the family, these amenities are available to you. You have the right to be prosperous. You have the right to be healed. You have the right to be loved. You have the right to relationships. You will be protected. You are the beloved. You have honor. You have dignity. All those things belong to you. And so when he's telling you to put on the whole armor of God, he's telling you to put that helmet on to cover your head so when Satan attack, you know who you are. But when he attack you and you don't know what salvation is and you don't have the helmet on, it's only because you're too immature to understand what it is. And we don't, watch this, it's a reason why you have to be 18 to go to the military. Because we don't want 13 year olds. <laughs> we don't want six year olds holding guns trying to shoot somebody. It's a reason. At a certain age, you can take orders. At a certain age, you only respond to what you want. Mm. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now that alone, when you're a nepios, you can't differentiate. Somebody comes up to you and insults you, you automatically think it's the person. When you're in the Nisco, it doesn't matter what attack comes your way, you sit back and look and say, hmm, they spiritual immature. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> what spiritual level they operating at? I remind my wife all the time, I, in the ministry, you're going to get attacks. I tell you, you are going to get a tax. Just look at where they are spiritually before you respond. When you are at the Nisco stage, to show me, you analyze it like that. Finally, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers 
powers, world forces of darkness against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So he's letting you know that, look, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with people. We don't wrestle with attitudes. We don't wrestle with none of that stuff. Our, all of our wrestling is with angels in a demonic realm. At the Nisco stage, you now understand that. It is now clear to you. Why? Because you have been practicing righteousness. You have been in your word. You have been praying. Look, you can't pray fast, come to church, give. Now leave one out. Study and not see and not be able to hear different. It's impossible. Like I told you, Papa, one-year-old, he can see me, but he can't understand me. Like Javon can. Like Kirby can. Kirby understands on a different level than Javon. Both of them got eyes. Both of them got ears. Both of them can speak. Y'all good? I came in here earlier and turned the air on, and when I got here, it was off. So, verse 13, he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. The Nepios doesn't know truth. What is truth? I'm tempted to pass the mic around and ask people what is truth. You got to know what truth is if you're going to gird your loins with it. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. Once you know what truth is, you are now approved to gird your loins with it. having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So he's saying truth is holding up your whole uniform, but then he says righteousness is protecting your chest, your vital organs. That's why it lets us know that the Pation child is no longer a victim of sin. They no longer fall uh, 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 victim to guilt and shame. Why? Because the Pation understands what righteousness is. By the time they get to the Nisco, it becomes a breastplate. Meaning Satan can unload a 50 cow and can't touch me. Why? Because I know who I am. I know that my father made me right. And because I'm right in his eyes, I don't need to be right in your eyes. He solidified me. And he didn't make me right because I did everything right. He made me right because I was his child and he wanted to raise me to be great. And so he says, look, I'm a, because I see you as my child, I'm going to put you in this, in this situation so that, watch this, when you do make a mistake, because I made you righteousness, it never severs the relationship. That's why when Peter came to Jesus and said, how often should I forgive my brother in a day? He said seven times 77. If you do the math, now, we're not going to talk about, okay, 
the, the person who's doing it, but the person who receives seven times 77. So you mean to tell me 500 times in a day, if you insult me, I'm supposed to be at a mature state enough to do what? Let it roll off my back. You okay, Shay? <laughs> she said no. But I'm letting you know, this is where we're going. But at the same time, if he expects you to be that forgiven, how forgiven is he to you? So if, I, if somebody can sin against me, offend me, oh, 500 times in a day, I at least got 1,000 with him. Now, we're not talking about intentionally. We're talking about in growing up, because you are immature. It is okay, I don't whoop my children for being immature. I don't whoop them for acting their age. I whoop them when they deliberately disobey me. The father does not discipline you for being a newborn baby. He does not discipline us for not understanding his world. The discipline comes when you know that's wrong and you keep doing it. That's why the Bible never talks about us sinning and losing the kingdom. It talks about us practicing sin. Practicing, meaning I wake up every day with a sin agenda. That's the sin that he looks at like, nah, look, we can't let this slide. When you intentionally go against his voice, this is what he's looking at. Verse 15, and having your feet, mm, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? You see why you need to study? It's some good news that we have peace. Peace means that I'm not worried at any time about my father annihilate me, taking me out. I'm not worried about my father not loving me. I have a peace. I told you my story a long time ago of when I was going to apostolic ministry and it was a bad thunderstorm. I woke up and the storm was so bad I thought the rapture came. And in my mind I said to myself, let me call the pastor. If he here, I'm good. My feet were not shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There was no good news in religion. I'm going to say that again. There is no good news in religion. It is not good news that a man got beat, put on the cross, and if you don't believe that, you can go to hell. That's not good news. The good news is that he came and died on the cross so you can have a relationship with his father. The good news is that the veil rent and now you can talk to him without having to talk to a Pharisee. You have access to the throne of grace. You can come before it with boldness and confidence. That's the good news. The good news is now you can have your predestined purpose. The good news is now that you're his child, you can start acting like a God. 
The good news is that your, your nature has changed, and now that your nature has changed, so can your mind. That's why the first thing he said when he came on the scene was repent because there's another way of thinking. There's another way of doing things. I brought a whole kingdom with me. That's why when the woman got caught in adultery, he said, nope, I just brought a whole kingdom. We're not stoning her no more. Verse 16, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you, are, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So at the Nanisco stage, your faith becomes a shield. Which means now you have supreme confidence in the spirit realm. Your confidence is no longer in earth. It is now in the spirit realm because the Bible says by faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. So everything we see was created by what we don't see. So that now becomes my shield. I want something on earth. Now I understand that I don't have to work 12 jobs to get it. Now I understand if I want to manifest something, all I got to do is talk to that world. I don't have to find 16 jobs. My faith becomes a shield between people telling me I can't. When I've already heard his voice and I know I can't. When you don't know the word and the word ain't in you, people can tell you what you can't do and you will agree with them. Because your faith is not in him, it's in them. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, this is the reason why y'all can't believe. Because y'all seek the glory of man and not God. Don't seek the glory. I'm not trying to impress nobody. You know why? Because you ain't got nothing for me. Ain't nothing you can give me that he can't. Matter of fact, he'll make you give it to me. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. We just talked about that. You need to know what salvation is. So that Satan can stop whispering stuff in your ear and your whole week ruined. I told you, Satan and the Holy Spirit are the opposites of one another. Just how the Holy Spirit comes upon you and speaks to you, Satan does the same thing with the demonic. He comes upon you. You can feel a demonic spirit. You can feel a demonic presence. Why is it that you can hear the demonic? The better question is, why does the Father allow you to? Because if you didn't hear the demonic, you couldn't tell the difference between his voice. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18. With all prayer and petition, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in tongues, in the spirit. 
And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and all petition for all the saints. Now, how many of y'all know everything I just read, Anepios can't do that. Everything I just read, a Pation can't do that. A Technon can't do that. Because what happens is at those first three stages, as soon as you're, you're attacked, you retreat. You run. Or you become like the children of Israel in which he's trying to get them to a certain place. He's shown them everything. He gave them bread from heaven. He gave them quail. Their shoes have not worn out. Their clothes still looking fresh. He got a pillar of fire by night and then a cloud by day. They get hungry and said, have you brought us here to die? You mean to tell me you didn't see all that? <laughs> How is it that you missed all of this that he has done for you? That's us. You're going to go through some stuff this week and you're going to doubt. You're going to have some doubts. This is what the Bible means when it says you harden your heart. It means when a father keeps showing you supernatural, keeps showing you supernatural, keep coming through for you, keep coming through for you, and then something happens, you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. What have you been doing? So this responsibility is not for an Anisco. That's why I tell you, when you come into ministry, when people come into ministries, they have to, the pastor has to know where they are. Everybody not on the same level. Everybody not the same age. Everybody's not willing to do what he did. His testimony made people say, I'm about to do that. Am I right? Scream at me. All right, so that's strong. Now, let's do abide because he said the word abides in you now abide means this that something has been established something has established itself permanently within your soul so he says that the, within the nisco that the word of god abides in them so what does that mean that that word has been permanently placed into your soul Meaning you have been studying, studying, okay? You have been putting the word into you, listening to the messages, listening to the podcast. You have been coming to church and where your soul was, it is no longer there anymore. Why? Because the word has elevated. To the point where it now abides there. It lives there. It resides there. This is your new mind. Take off the old man. Put on a new man. He said the word abides in you. So it is something that has established itself permanently within your soul. And it always exerts itself with the power in you. How many of y'all ever heard of uh, probiotics? I know everybody here ever heard of probiotics, okay? Now, this is what probiotics does. Now, I'm giving you this example so you can understand how putting the word in you works, all right? In your gut, all right, you have good bacteria and bad bacteria. When you feed yourself 
good food, the good bacteria takes that food, breaks it down, and distributes the nutrients throughout your body. When you eat bad, the bad bacteria eats the food, grows, and eats your good bacteria so that when you eat good food, it doesn't absorb properly. So, so, how do you get the word abiding in you? Constantly eat the right things. Because the more you don't put the word in you, the more you watch TV, the bad bacteria eats the good bacteria. The more you don't get in the word, the bad bacteria builds up in you the flesh and it swallows up the spiritual life. The more you pour spiritual things in you, the spiritual man grows and swallows up the fleshly life. So there is no pause button. There is no pause button. I have not been studying the word all month long. Where are you, where, which way are you going? You're going towards carnality. I've been studying the word for the last eight months. Where are you going towards? Spirituality. That's why I told you, you have to take a season and you have to put this stuff in you. This life has to be the most important life. John chapter 15. We're going to do verses four through seven. Now, this is the passage of scripture where Jesus was talking about that he was the true vine and that his father was the husbandman. Now, I want you to pay attention to how much he said abide in me in these couple scriptures. Now, I think it's like four or five scriptures. Verse four says, abide in me and I in you. One, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So that's three times in that one scripture. He's telling you abide in me. What does abide mean? That means remain. Be unmovable. If you have a consistent study habit, the word will constantly go in you. Abide in me simply says this, stay in school, don't drop out. Stay in the community, don't leave. Stay in the family. Tolerate your brothers and sisters. Tolerate the tough times. That's why I'm telling Tashombi, look, he abide. You see what I'm saying? He abode in the word. Through the trials and, and tribulations. Abide in the word. Okay, I lose my job. Continue to abide. I get divorced. Continue to abide. I ain't got nowhere to stay. Continue to abide. And he says, if you abide in me, then I'll abide in you. So the moral of the story is, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't slow down. For what? Why should we slow down? If we want the life, why should we slow down? If you're going to school to become a doctor and your goal is to become a doctor, why slow down? You got a goal. Verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me. 
and I in him. He bears much fruit. So the person that keeps going is the person that bears fruit. You have to stay planted to bear fruit. If you're a tree and you get planted, but then you don't like that soil, and you get up and go to another soil, you don't like that soil, you get up and go to another soil, you don't have no time to grow because in order for you to grow, the roots have to sink down deep and grab something. It has to get the nutrients from the soil. So that's why he's letting them know. He says, I am the vine. I'm what you connected to. You're the branch. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, come on now, say that with me. You can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. Why your stuff drying up? Because you're not abiding. It only dries up when you abide, don't abide. When you hit a road bump, you get a flat tire, and you stop. People ask me all the time when they come out of high school, should I, come, should I go to school or should I just take the time off? You know what I tell them? The year is going to pass either way. This 2020, 2025 will be here. Regardless of what you do. You can show up at 2025 as a nepios if you want to. We're going to make you feel uncomfortable here. You're going to feel very uncomfortable in this church if you're not growing. And I want it to be like that. I want you to feel uncomfortable. I want you to say, you know what, they're growing too fast. I'm going to the Baptist church. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned up. I'm not going to even tell you who they is because the moment you stop getting into this word, they coming to get your butt. The people who are carnal, just like you. They're going to make that life seem attractive. That's why when you come into this family, I was telling somebody today, when you come into this spiritual family, this is literally what it is. It's an adoption. When you come into this spiritual family, it cuts you off from your natural family, and now you are growing in a spiritual family. Totally different ways, totally different avenue, totally different type of love, totally different type of commitment. Your natural family will get you in hell. And at the same time, he brings you into this family so you can change your lineage. Verse 7. If you abide in me, watch this, because when he's talked about the Nanisco, he said the word abides in the Nanisco. And we right? You're laughing. So you're like, ooh, this is good, ain't it? 
Let's read it. Mm. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. <laughs> so what that mean? The father, you know how they say he's sitting high looking low. <laughs> he's sitting on the throne seeing who's abiding. I hear you praying, but you ain't abiding. I hear you asking, but you're not abiding. I know you want that, but you're not abiding. And if my word is not abiding you and I give it to you, you're going to think that your lack of study habits, you can keep getting stuff from me. If my word is not abiding you, when I give it to you, you're going to do the wrong thing with it. If my word is not abiding in you, says whatever you wish. He didn't even say ask. He just said wish it. Just think about it. What you thinking about? So if you, if, if you abide in the word, the word lets you know that you can get whatever you want. So the Nanisco can wish for stuff and it happens like that. I told you about that truck out, out there I got. I got a 2018 Toyota Sequoia. Now, I had a 2002. And I just said in my mind, it's time for me to get a new truck. I, I looked at the truck I wanted, took a picture of it, put it on my vision board, but never looked at the vision board. Goofy, right? So I went out, and got, so I got a new truck, a 2011. But I put a 2018 on my vision board. So I get the truck, I take the truck home, I'm driving the truck. Three weeks, they call me back saying, you got to bring the truck back. Like, okay, the financing didn't go through? No, that's not the problem. We had a general manager who it was his last week and the finance company that you went through, they said the mileage is too high. But the general manager, he wanted to push it through, so he just put any mileage. So I said, you gotta bring the truck back. So I go back, this truck got 111,000 miles on it. It's a Toyota, it's gonna run forever. You know, I don't care. So, so they said, look, only thing we got for you, it's a 2018. And it has 27,000 miles on it. And we're gonna take $10,000 off the price. <laughs> but you can't, but we have to get it to here. So just take that truck back home and come back and get it the next day. On the way back home, driving the truck, hit the roundabout. As soon as I hit the roundabout, check engine light came on. Of the old truck. My father said, nah, I don't think so. This ain't the one for my son. He wanted a 2018. I, I gotta check his faith. He wished for one thing and settled for something else. When the word abides in you and you live your life for this purpose, he'll make sure you get whatever you want to. When we bought that house, it's $325,000 house. The house I wanted was $250,000. Miss Expensive Doctor back here decided she wanted a house that had to have four-sided brick. 
Because two sides is not good enough. So we buy the house, we have the house built, but dumb dumb me ain't picking up on the clues. Every time we go to visit this house, she stay in the car. Come on, girl, we got this new house, come on. No, I'm good. She just sits in the car, why? Because she's prophetic. The vision, it ain't yours, it ain't ours. But she ain't saying nothing to me. I guess God told her, shut up and let me teach this boy something. She's not even getting out the car. So we go to close it. The VA does the um, appraisal, and they appraise the house for uh, $15,000 less than what they're trying to give it to us for. We calling the people like, hey, what, what y'all going to do? You know what they're doing? They're not even picking up the phone. See? You know why they ain't picking up the phone? Because that's not my house. You would say somebody hating on you. You would say they prejudice. Them white folks don't want me to get blessed. Nope. I don't care what color they are. They can't stop the father. So, <laughs> we go to look at this other house. So, I'm, I'm laying in bed. And I'm like, oh, this, this ain't, oh, you know what? Dre, this is what I, father, what? What do you want? What, 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 what? Okay, now you listening, boy. Get your butt up, go around the corner to the subdivision. I go around the corner to the subdivision, right around the corner. As soon as you walk out the door, if I would have listened the first time, if I would have been tuned in, I would have heard that the first time. But sometimes you just want what you want. And you know where the house was? Don't, don't, don't you hit me, don't throw nothing to me, and don't say nothing to me. College Park. College Park. College Park. <laughs> and you know, you know my justification? The house in a good area. Ain't no good area in College Park. They spray painting world changers. No, I'm just fine. Let me stop. She said they are. So it wasn't our house. Okay? I go around the corner, this woman take us to the house, and as soon as we pull up, that's it. But it's a hundred thousand dollars more. <laughs> and you know what I told her? I'll do it. But you pay this portion. Why am I not paying the whole thing? Why, when we did the appraisal on that house, before the house was done being built, they had the appraisal went through? They hit me on the phone, like the appraisal went through. How did the appraisal go through? The house ain't even built. When it's yours, it's yours. Then we pull in there and we go get the house and the woman's talking about some $11,000 for a closing cost and I'm telling my wife, business is business. When I tell you I'm not gonna pay for something, you're gonna give me what I want if you want me to purchase this. So I'm not paying no $11,000 for no closing costs. We sit down, the woman tells us, before we says anything, what we're going to do is we're going to cut the price of the basement in half and we're going to give you $24,000 of virtual money. With that money, you can pay the closing costs. Oh, really? So with virtual money, I can pay a, pay a closing cost. How do you pay $11,000 closing costs with virtual money? All you got to do is wish. 
All right, the next one. You have overcome the wicked one. Now, this is used of one who by Christian consistency and courage keeps himself unharmed, spotless from the adversary's devices, solicitations, and assaults. When you are an overcomer, you keep, you, you are, you're constant, you're courageous, and you keep yourself unharmed and spotless from the adversary's devices, solicitations, and assaults. Romans 12 and 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not as an epios. Not as a pation, not as a technon. You don't overcome evil with good. Soon as somebody get in your face, get talking crazy to you, what do you do? You match evil. Why? Because you haven't grown from the flesh. You still want to impress people. And this is how it happens a lot of time. God will have somebody front you off in front of people. You know why? Because he want to see who is it that you want to impress. Are you, do you want to impress me or do you want to impress your audience? Because he told you when, when it came to practicing righteousness, he says, do not do this like the hypocrites. For they do it for men, and when they do it before men, that's their reward. So watch this. Someone challenges you openly, you openly accept the challenge, respond to it, you got your reward. You miss everything that heaven wanted to give you based on that. And a lot of times, it'd be a test to move you from one stage to the next. And you'll keep flunking the same class over and over again with the same people or different people. First John five and four for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Like I told you, once you begin to trust in the supernatural, once you begin to trust in your father's world, once you begin to decide, I'm going to do it how he said, do it. You overcome the world. But look what it says, for whatever is born of God. So what is he talking about now? DNA. So what is he saying now? You're going to have to prove to me that my DNA is there. I need to see. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you in the wilderness for 40 days and let you be tempted by the devil. <laughs> That's what he did to Jesus. So you know you got some night classes to take. He put Jesus in the wilderness and said, I'm going to tempt you, test you. I'm going to try you. And look what he did. Use your power because you're hungry. Use your power to turn this stone into bread. Because you have, watch this, because you have this powerful ministry. I'm going to attempt to give you something greater. Imagine if Jesus accepts Satan's proposal. He loses his entire ministry. Which means what? We're lost. That's how that looks. You, when you don't overcome, you don't only hurt you, 
you hurt everybody who's under you or everybody who you're, that, that you are uh, um, called to meet. So what does that mean? If I, if I don't succumb to my flesh and grow, divine generation doesn't exist. Before you get your ministry, you will have a wilderness experience. You will have a wilderness experience. You are going to be tested on the simple things to see if you can deal, if you can deal with this. Verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Which means if you believe that, then you're going to walk out the life. Believing is different than agreeing. It didn't say whoever agrees that Jesus is the son of God, but you have to believe it. If you believe it, then you practice righteousness. There's no way you say you believe and you don't practice these things. All right. Acts 2 and 16. But this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men, your nanisco shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So the nanisco son sees visions. Like I told you before, the Bible says that the, he, he knows the end of a thing before the beginning of a thing. So watch this. Every time he shows you a vision, he's showing you a chapter of the book that he has already written for you. I see myself doing this at the age 16. I see myself doing this at the age of 20. I see myself doing this at the age of 30, but I didn't get it till I was 40. I seen visions. He will show you stuff. But that's once the spirit comes upon you. See, and, and when he talks about pouring out the spirit on all men, we have the wrong concept of that. See, in the Old Testament, he didn't pour out the spirit on all men. He poured out the spirit on some men for certain tasks. But now in the New Testament, because we are his children, he's saying, I'm going to pour out the spirit on all flesh, which means this, that spiritually with the angelic presence, this is what he's going to do. He's going to turn on the faucet and he's going to allow the angelic presence to roam through the planet. And whoever decides that they want to mature and wants to be a part of this and wants to know this thing, they can attract this. And that's what I'm telling you. That's why most of the time we think in this church setting that we all see the same. We don't all see the same. We can't all see the same. If not, if we all seen the same, watch this, there will be no need to have a pastor. If I didn't see on another level than you see, then there'll be no need for me to teach, to teach you anything. You don't need to learn from somebody who knows just as much as you. You need to always learn from somebody who knows more than you. Imagine this, you got a crime scene, okay? You have a crime scene. You got a patrol officer there, you got a first year detective there, and then you got a, a detective who has been a detective for 20 years. Who sees that crime scene better? The detective who has been doing this for the longest. 
He can see the scene. He can analyze the scene way better than the person who's just turned a detective. Even more than a patrol officer. That's how it looks. It's just as if me and my 15-year-old son both assessing the same situation. Who sees it the best? Me. Why? Because of age and maturity. Your maturity gives you vision. When you are a nepios, you can only see as far as a nepios. When you are a pation, you can only see far as a pation. That little beautiful baby right there is looking at me. Hey. And so is the mother. Who you think understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Last scripture. Acts chapter 5 verse 8. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Now, the backstory on this is this was a time, okay, that the community of God was so pure it was so wholesome, it was so holy that everybody decided, you know what, we're going to sell all our stuff and we're going to split it up to make sure everybody has the same. Can y'all imagine us doing that? Coming together, saying, you know what, let's make sure everybody got a house. Let's make sure everybody got a car. Let's make sure everybody's bank account. This is how this looks. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they decided to, instead of, Bringing the money for which they sold it for, they decided to take the money and say, you know what, we, gonna, we sold it for 50000 but we're going to keep ten, And we're just going to give them forty. But then the Holy Spirit came to them and let them know they're lying. So this is where we're at. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such or such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Now, the scripture before that, her husband said it and he died right on the spot. They brought her in here and she don't even know her husband dead. Wasn't a, wasn't a very prophetic community. Verse 9. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together with the spirit? Why, have, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. Can you imagine what she said when he said that? <gasps> and they will carry you away as well. Verse 10. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. Now that only happens... Now, religious folks, watch the religious folks would have said she went to hell. Nope, that don't mean she went to hell. That means she had to exit that community because when a community gets so pure and defilement comes in it, it has something has to happen immediately. It has to happen immediately. When the community is so pure, we don't get there. Folks gonna be at the altar. No, I'm just playing. That ain't gonna happen. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> It says, and immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last breath. And the young men, the Nanisco, came in and found her dead, and they carried her away and buried her beside her husband. A Nepios couldn't do that. A Pation? Nope. 
A tech nah? Nope. So what am I telling you? Certain ministry assignments you cannot touch until you mature. It's certain assignments in the kingdom that you cannot see until you mature. Let that have been somebody who just came into the faith. How she die? <laughs> what happened? What you mean she lied? I don't want to be a part of this. I know I got some lies in me. <laughs> Come on now, right, right now, if somebody came to here and, and, and I said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And they just dropped dead. What you going to think? I better get right, right now. <laughs> so, this child is primed for ministry duties and behind the scene activities. Everybody don't need to know behind the scene activities of ministry. Everybody can't handle it. Every time I talk to someone and try to and try to witness to them. This is what I hear all the time. Oh, I seen what going on in churches. They ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. You know what they did? They got exposed to the behind the scenes of ministries. I'm not gonna say they was fraudulent, but that they didn't handle God's business the right way. Or they didn't put this out here about the stages of sonship in which people understood that we come here to grow. I have to tell people, ain't no hypocrites in the church. It's just folks trying to grow. Y'all problem is y'all think as soon as we get saved, we don't do nothing wrong. And the church act like that sometimes. They're like, so, as soon as they get saved, like we're not supposed to sin. Oh, you mean we ain't supposed to do nothing wrong no more? I don't think so. That's a part of maturing. It's doing stuff wrong and getting corrected. Amen. This is why the Bible says, do not put a novice over anything. This is why the Bible says this. The Bible says this. Do not entertain accusations against an elder unless it comes for two or more, two or three witnesses. Why? Because most of the time when people give accusations in a church is because they too immature to see and they don't know what they're talking about. They're accusing somebody based on their knowledge. So, let's continue to practice righteousness. All right? That is the difference between you growing and you not growing. Now, what is practicing righteousness? Because we got some visitors. Studying the word, fasting, praying, giving, and, and fellowship. If you do those five things, there's no way you can get your destiny. If you don't do those five things, there's no way you get your destiny. Amen? All right, let's close.